0: This is Chicago's Game Day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left
1: center. Game over. Cuts win. Cuts win.
0: Chicago's Game Day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Al Morrow. It's a triple play for the Sox.
1: Base is loaded
0: play see Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Good morning,
2: everyone. Welcome on in. Fred Huebner with you. Hope you've enjoyed the first two hours of our programming today. Black and Abdallah having their fun as they are wont to do. They hit on all the topics. We'll hit on some of them again today. I won't talk about Draymond Green. I leave the NBA for them each and every uh, week. So, But we will talk Cubs. We will talk some White Sox. Tony Andraki will join us from NBC Sports Chicago in just a little bit. The White Sox, some bunting issues that people were uh, upset about. They were upset that the White Sox bunted. Then they were upset that the White Sox didn't bunt. And the White Sox ended up losing last night. We will talk about that. Lots of great stuff in Major League Baseball couple of guys that used to be on the Cubs with a couple of home runs each. We'll uh, hear that when we play some of the highlights around Major League Baseball. And the Chicago Fire get a win. What do you know? A one nothing win down in Houston. So lots to get into in the next two hours. We will also talk about Family Fest, Bears Family Fest, and I, I don't know I know I get a lot of you guys out there who just tweet me and just, you know, give me the get off my lawn stuff. And I get more pictures of Clint Eastwood on my Twitter than anything else. But I used to be excited for training camps in the NFL and things like that. And now I cannot wait until September 5th, Thursday night, the Bears and Packers, because I this is just awful. Yeah, You know, we're getting to read about everybody's, well, you know, Trubisky's not doing well. He's facing a tough defense and we, nothing matters. Nothing else matters. That's a, that's a Metallica song, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Nothing else matters. So nothing else matters until September 5th. So I just am bored out of my mind. People talking about Eddie Pinheiro and, you know, Fry is like, I don't care. Just start kicking the ball, start playing the ball for real. And, uh, Thursday night will be the first preseason game and we'll dissect and dice that up. And I swear to God, on Friday morning, we're going to say, well, we wish we would have saw the starters a little bit more. We wish we would have been able to see what's really going to be out there when the season gets under. <sighs> Just start the damn year. Black brought up the point and, uh, you know, four preseason games is too, too many. Four preseason games is probably four too many. College football can figure out who the better players are by practicing and not having any preseason games. But the NFL needing to make more money, and they're probably never going to go away. Hopefully they reduce it because it's just, you know. Could you imagine, and I know if you're a Bears season ticket holder, you know exactly what it is, but buying tickets to see Bears preseason games? Oh, my God. You should just let everybody that's never gone to a game in for free. Uh, yesterday, the Cubs did some good things. Three, two.
0: Almora deep left. That ball is gone! Cubs lead 2-1. to one. A
1: laser off the bat with Albert Almora. He had a couple home runs. I don't like that on the road trip. One in San Francisco, one in Milwaukee. The quality of contact for Albert has been getting better and better here. I mean, he hits the ball on the ground a lot. But he keeps those hands inside and is able to get that ball
2: airborne. There's plenty of power there. Every homer he hits is a new career high. 12 on the year. A great breakdown from J.D. and from Len. Albert Almora goes deep, highlights courtesy NBC Sports Chicago. And speaking of that, let's bring in... Their Cubs reporter, Tony Andraki. Tony, how are you today? Tony?
3: Yeah, hey, how's it going?
2: It's going well. How about you?
3: Good, good.
2: You know, uh, it's such a difference between home and road games for this team. I mean, a couple days ago, a 3-6 and six road trip, everybody's woe is me. Uh, after yesterday's game, a lot of excitement probably for Cub fans, except for that one damn guy. Wilson Contreras <laughs> pulling the hamstring. <laughs> that puts a whole damper on everything. But, I mean, we'll get to Contreras in a second. But, you know, coming home, they, they homer right off the bat in the first game. Uh Hayward does it the other day, the very first inning, hits a home run. Uh, this team is built where if they hit home runs, they usually win their contest. They're not the best at putting the bat on the ball and getting extended, you know, uh innings and things like that. But it seems like they're home and everything is fine. I know we've asked just about everybody else, but can you even come close to explaining what's going on with this team between home and road?
3: <laughs> no. I mean, the only thing I can point to is that for whatever reason, they're playing tighter on the road and looser at home. So they're they're more free when they're at Wrigley Field because they're comfortable and they're, I, I don't know, feeling it or, or whatever, you know, and, and on the road. They do feel the pressure. Every single one of them knows what their road record is. They know that they haven't, you know, won a road series since Game of Thrones was still on the air. You know, <laughs> it's going on three months now. Like they know all this. They understand that they struggle. You know, even when the pitching staff was struggling on the road, then you, they understood that, and then the pitching staff came around. Now the offense is struggling on the road. So I think it's just kind of all in their head at this point. But I also do think that it's a little bit of uh, just kind of randomness or weird baseball luck and. Um, you know, at times, of course, and eat nothing lost in St. Louis is not has nothing right. to do with bad luck. But yeah, you know, so I think it'll turn. Um, I just don't know when, and they don't know when.
2: No, and you you look at it, and I know that uh, Judd Hoyer was on our station the other day, and he brought up the point. He said it's strange too, because when they go on the road. For most of the stadiums, they have as many fans as, as the home teams do there. So it's not a fan thing because there's always Cub fans everywhere. They travel as well as any, any fan base in sports. So it's, it's really strange. But, you know, the three and six road trip, you kind of figure win a road series somewhere. And like you said, uh, not since May have they actually won one. Let's get to, uh, the elephant out there. And that is, uh, Wilson Contreras. This is the first year where there's only one trading deadline. And who would who knew that this was going to come back and maybe bite the Cubs a little bit? This Contreras injury could really be a big one, couldn't it?
3: Yeah, it really could. And you know that was the the danger when the Cubs traded Martin Maldonado just a few days ago, and you know they picked up Tony Kemp in return. And the whole you know kind of reasoning and stuff behind it was it just didn't seem like Maldonado you know coming up to be a free agent was really interested in playing as sparingly as he was. So. Um, You know, I don't know if he specifically asked for a trade or anything like that, but it was difficult for the Cubs to carry three catchers for, uh, you know, just-in-case type of situation, but what's kind of, you know, the emotion that Contreras showed in the dugout and going into the dugout after hurting his hamstring, it's the same one he hurt in 17, so it it doesn't bode well, it you know, obviously they'll find out more tomorrow with the MRI, but it doesn't seem like it'll be a very quick thing for him. Now
2: I'm, I'm amateur doctor. Unfortunately, I've been in enough hospitals the last couple of years to learn enough, but is the reason they're not doing an MRI today, they have to wait for swelling to go down?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that's possible. Um, you know, I don't know specifically why they're waiting, but you know, I, yeah, it could be that, or, you know, it could be just kind of seeing how it feels like the next day. Uh, yeah. I mean, he didn't have it, you know, like taped up or anything yesterday, like after. So, um, or if it was, you know, it wasn't anything like, like heavy or serious. Sure. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It,
2: it, it's interesting I mean Almora hits the homer yesterday he went uh, three for three and I know a lot of times there's a little bit of pressure on guys and in baseball there's always pressure it's you against the pitcher and things like that but they, the Cubs go on out and get another outfielder this is a perfect time for Albert Al Mora to start hitting because he pretty much knows that he's only going to be out there when there's a left hander on the mound because otherwise you, the Cubs are pretty much shown their love for Kyle Schwarber and then with Castellanos and Hayward you've got your outfield so Al Warner really has to make hay when he can, and it looks like he's probably only going to be against lefties, but this is a perfect time for him to get hot, uh, especially since the Cubs' uh, bats have been struggling, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it really is, and, and you're dead on He has to hit against lefties. He has in his career up until, you know, maybe the last couple of months of last year, and he just he has to figure it out. The He has to get back to who he was, and coming into yesterday, he was hitting, like, just over 200 with an OPS, you know, like right around only 600 against lefties. And that's just not good enough for what he needs to do, for what the Cubs need to do. So, you know, a three for three day and you know, only two hits came off the lefty, but still, um, you know, the homer off a righty's encouraging. And even the sack fly, the sack fly you had to, to drive home an insurance run, right. that was probably as big of an at bat as any other he had in the day. So I'll just. Very encouraging signs for him.
2: Tony Andraki from NBC Sports Chicago. Nice enough to jump on in. The Cubs wrapping up their series with the Brewers. And then the Oakland A's come to town. They're a team that can actually hit the heck out of the ball. And we'll see how things work for that one. But the Cubs have their rotation lined up with Hendricks, Lester, and Quintana for that one with Darvish going today. And as I I speak of the rotation, I'm looking here. Starters have a 3.22 uh, ERA since the All-Star break. It's nice that they all seem not at Hamels' back. They're all healthy. And that's been a problem for them all year long between, you know, between Hendricks going out and Hamels and everything else. uh, Lester missing an outing here and there because he was ill. This this is huge for this team going forward. They got to keep these guys healthy down the stretch.
3: Yeah, they do for sure. And, And this is almost kind of right now, it's unfortunate because the Cubs are feeling like, oh, yeah, Saturday we have almost a full healthy squad for the first time. I mean really Pedro Strop was kind of the only guy missing. Right. Uh and then of course, you know, with Hamels coming back, but then of course Wilson Contreras goes down. So it's very short lived for the Cubs there's good vibes. But it, to your point about the rotation, yeah, I mean Hamill's picked up right where he left off before he got hurt. Yu Darvish has been really good and I think the big key for the whole rotation is the fact that I think they've gone one full time through now where none of them have walked a batter. So that's key, you know, especially in this era, you know, juice ball era, and and so on with all the homers. It, it helps when you're not giving out free passes and you're making the other team earn it. So, you know, that's something they always try to focus on. It is not giving guys those free passes, and it's not always easy to execute, but for whatever reason, over the last week they've been able to.
2: Yeah, and you you talk about that, and when you think about walks, you think of last year and two guys, really, the two guys that were picked up last season by Theo and Jed in uh, Chatwood and in Darvish, and Darvish was walking a lot of people, and Chatwood walked more than anybody in baseball last year. But you, Darvish, probably, for all the criticism he got and for all the, oh, he can't get a decision, he gets a bunch, which ha- most of the time wasn't his fault, he's pitched really well for the last month or so.
3: Yeah, he really has, and I think you know everything turned when he went to to Madden and the coaching staff and said, "I really want to pitch this first game coming out of the All Star break." Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of difficult, and you know, there's uh, everybody kind of shakes off the cobwebs, and he said that he wanted to do it, and he went out there and threw six really good innings, and then you know he's kind of just picked up from there. I mean, he had a really good start in St. Louis, uh, even though he ended up you know getting a loss and the Cubs lost, but. He looks good again, and he's showing a lot of emotion out there and a lot of passion and stuff like that. So uh, everything seems to be trending in the right direction for Darvish right now.
2: I know Joe talks in a little while as the Cubs wrap up the series. Darvish against Hauser today, and uh, the lineups just came out, and there's no. Uh, there's no Chris Bryant. I'm sure it's going to be mentioned that this was a scheduled day off because they don't have a day off on Monday. They have a lot of days off actually coming up, and they've had a couple over the last week or so. Um, like on that nine-game road trip, they had one in, after each and every city. But uh, no Chris Bryant today. I would think at first maybe a, the slump, but he did get a couple hits the other day. You think this is one of those just scheduled days off?
3: Yeah, I imagine that it is. You know, I, I know he had the knee issue, just very minor in mm-hmm. Saint, uh, San Francisco. Where it was um, so, but I imagine that's all it is. You know, they, like you said, they, you know, don't have day off here for a little bit now, and um, they're just trying to keep them healthy and, and fresh. And uh, you know, it was just kind of a weird week where they played three night games in St. Louis, and then they come back and play three day games here. So it was a very quick turnaround from Thursday to Friday, and. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, maybe just kind of going back to that old-school Sunday lineup thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's an interesting thing in baseball, especially if you have Sunday tickets um, yeah, on either side of town. For years and years, Ozzy used to do that on the south side, which was always interesting. Uh, ben Zobrist was over 3 in his first game. He had a couple of hits yesterday, played some second base. What are you expecting to happen with Ben Zobrist?
3: Yeah, I really don't think that he'll be here on you know on the field for the Cubs at Wrigley until September first. Sorry, dogs barking. He disagrees, uh,
2: I guess. Yeah, he, he
3: disagrees <laughs> passionately about the Benzovers thing. But um, you no, know, I don't until September first, and you know I don't think uh, just because of the way the roster and stuff, and it'll take him three or four weeks to to really get back into shape. I mean, he's 38 years old. He's going to take some time off in between these stints. Um, I don't think he'll be back before then. But when he does come back, he's not going to play every day for the Cubs. And he's not going to be, you know, that they're not going to put him in leadoff, you know, every single day or anything like that. But he's his presence and his calming nature and everything he's gone through, I think it's just going to be a really big lift for this team. So even when he's not playing, he can have a really nice impact for them.
2: Yeah, I think he can, too. He can calm guys down. And it's the one thing I know. Uh, Sahad of Sharma, the Athletic, had a really great article the other day talking about the Cubs' offense and how pitchers in baseball are exploiting it, talking about how the Cubs are 16th in baseball um against breaking balls with a, um, a weighted on-base of 275. They're 18th um against elevated fastballs. And Theo and... Jed and Madden, they all know what it is, and the rest of baseball knows the way to get these baseball players out on the Cubs. Bryant and Rizzo is the elevated fastball and the curveballs out of the the zone. It, it, it's funny because I bring this up a lot. Anytime the Cubs go into slump, even over the last two or three years, Joe would always say. We just need them to move the ball around, hit the ball, hit the ball where it's pitched. And on the way in this morning, I'm listening to AJ Hinch and he's talking about the Astros, how, you know, even two days ago, I think they had eight homers two days ago. He said, we, our guys usually don't concentrate on hitting homers. They concentrate on hitting the ball and putting it in play. And that's one thing that no matter how many times Joe has mentioned it, the Cubs can't do it. And I think that's one of the things the Cubs have been missing the most with Ben Zobris? Because, it, what do you know, Jason Hayward's done it this year, and usually Rizzo's a guy, but the slump that Rizzo's in right now is really tough, but, uh, you know, is there any answer? I mean, it can't be hitting coaches. There's, there's what? This is a three in the last three years? Is it something that they got to do to get through to these guys that you just got to shorten up, put the ball in play instead of swinging for the fences?
3: You know, I think it's, it's mostly just the changing nature of baseball, and There's stuff they can do, but, you know, it's just uh, so many of these guys are still not young, but, like, still kind of inexperienced, you know? I mean, they don't. That's something, that two-strike approach and that, you know, putting in play. I mean, Dobris has always been really good at it, but it's not something that always comes right away for these players. So definitely still some development and stuff there, but... reasons they like contact ability that ability to just put the bat on the ball whenever he can and then obviously as you mentioned the zobrist factor would be huge in that as well so you know these guys and then the way that hayward is and as you mentioned rizzo as well they do have guys that can really put the bat on the ball but yeah, they still need to see it more from even a guy like Javi Baez, who is yeah. runner-up and MVP. Like he still has some some games where he just is flailing wildly at pitches way out of the zone. And you know, Wilson Contreras last yesterday was swung at a pitch that was like bounced, you know, maybe three feet in the dirt before home plate. So they still are just prone to that. And to be honest, I don't know what the answer is. But you're right; I don't think it's a it's a coaching aspect.
2: Tony, appreciate you jumping on for a little bit. Uh, enjoy the final one. And, uh, Oakland's going to be interesting because they're a team that a lot of, um, you know, Chicago Cubs fans don't see a lot, but the Oakland and the A's baseball team, I was talking about guys swinging for the fences and hitting homers. They've got guys that can do it. So it's going to be an interesting three game series to, uh, wrap up the, uh, the short homestand, uh, the next couple of days. But first things first, Darvish today against the Brewers. Thanks for jumping on in.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Tony
2: Andraki, you can catch him, NBC Sports Chicago. Read all of his stuff. You see him with Cap once in a while. Uh, you see him quite often talking about the Northsiders, and they are in a situation now where they want to get the sweep today feel good about yourself, and then the Oakland A's come to town. The A's are in a situation where they're, they're battling for a wild-card spot. They're in, a, they're in the division where they're having it, you know, you've got the Houston Astros ahead of you. Only eight and a half games. The Athletics are 63-48, and 48. okay? They're eight and a half games back. They've won six of their last ten. They've got a two-game winning streak. And they come in tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon. It's going to be an interesting three-game series for the Cubs and the A's. But first things first, as I mentioned, you, Darvish, going to the Hill. And it's almost like everybody criticized Darvish. And now that he's pitching well, maybe I'm just not hearing it. But he's not getting the credit he deserves. This guy, and Tony brought it up. He goes to Joe and says, listen, I want to be the guy that starts the second half. And we all wondered, why is it Darvish going? Why isn't it Lester? Why isn't it, you know, somebody else? And uh, it was a great thing for you, Darvish, to say, listen, I want the ball. I know what I've been unable to do. I feel things are going better here. I want the ball. Let me go on out there and see what I can do. And you, Darvish, has pitched very, very well. See what he does today on the Hill. Uh, against the uh, Brewers. They've shut down the Brewers pretty much over the last couple of days and, uh, see if the Bass can come alive. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Any concerns or things you want to mention with the North Siders? We're going to get into some White Sox baseball in a little bit. The Ben situation, Jesse has mentioned it too. Uh, Tony said it probably won't come up till September when the rosters expand. Uh, too bad Zobris can't catch. He can do a lot of other things, play the outfield, play some of the infield positions. But they may end up with a Taylor Davis because now that they can't make any more trades, just the one trade deadline this year, none of the other uh, moves afterwards. You see Wilson Contreras go down. I've heard some people say it could be the four to six week MRI. As a four to six week, I'm sorry, not MRI, but hamstring. And that would be a killer for this Cubs team. Not only for what Contreras can do with the bat with 19 home runs, but what he does behind the plate, how he keeps runners from getting, uh, you know, advancing, how he keeps control of the base runners. Uh, it's a huge factor for the Cubs. And you didn't see this one coming. You saw them struggling hitting, you saw maybe their relief struggling. It was nice to see uh, yesterday. Kimbrell comes in, gets the save. That was huge, I thought, for the Cubs and also for Craig Kimbrell. We were talking about it yesterday on the Murph and Fred show, talking about how he really hasn't had a one, two, three shutdown, uh, ninth inning and he pitched pretty well yesterday. So see if he can go again uh, today if they need him or, you know, maybe Darvish goes long enough and the Cubs bats come to life and you don't need a guy like Craig Kimbrell at the end. Three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. The uh, Cardinals, are in Oakland, and they lost last night. They've dropped the, they lost yesterday uh, to the Oakland A's, so the Cubs have a half-game lead going into today's action. The Brewers are three games back. A win today would be nice for the Cubs, because then they would then put the Brewers four games back. Maybe they begin a free fall, and then the Cubs just have to worry about the Cardinals. I looked at the upcoming road trip. Okay, after the A-Series, it's a 10-game road trip. And we know what happened on the most recently completed nine-game trip, a 3-6 and six record. The Cubs will have four in Cincinnati, where they've struggled this year, four in Philadelphia. And the Phillies, who've split the first two with the White Sox, they're trying to stay in the race, in the wild-card race. They are right now um tied for the wild-card spot, the second wild-card spot in the national league with the Washington nationals. And then it's three with Pittsburgh. That should be three straight wins. Pittsburgh is free falling. Okay. So the Cubs, I'm not looking ahead for that one and they can't look ahead, but they got Cincinnati, we for four, Philly for three and then three against Pittsburgh. So it's a big 10 gamer coming up after the A's come in tomorrow. Three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six Cubs, the White Sox, Bunting and Not bunting. We'll talk about it all when we come back. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Huebner on ESPN 1000 and
0: ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in.
2: Really nice day. My phone says it's going to rain today. I don't know. We'll wait and see if it does. A little after 12 o'clock. I'll be here till 12. We're going to talk some Bears. Next hour, also a little bit of soccer and hit some of the baseball highlights from around the major leagues. Look at the standings as we wrap up another week as the pennant races get... Uh, well, some of the pennant races get interesting. You just heard um, on the uh, Sports Center, Red Sox have lost seven in a row. Oh, poor Chris Sale. <laughs> for those who don't know, ever since Chris Sale cut up his jersey when he was playing for the Sox, I have no use for him. So, um... Yeah, I'm enjoying his struggles and the Red Sox losing seven straight. They are 13 and a half games behind the Yankees right now, and they're battling for a wild card position. And right now, the Red Sox are five and a half back in the wild card. The Indians and the Tampa Bay Rays are would be the wild card teams right now. The A's are a half game out, Boston five and a half out. Um, during the commercial break. The Cubs did what we thought they were going to do. They've recalled Taylor Davis. He will be ready for the Cub game today as Wilson Contreras has uh, gone to the 10-day injured list with the right hamstring strain. Uh, it is expected to be a lot longer than that, but the MRI will be tomorrow. We'll see how things go. Um it It's a, it's a huge injury for the Cubs right now. Obviously, if they would have kept Martin Maldonado and uh, not brought in Tony Kemp, they would have had a catcher, but they made no sense to keep three catchers. And so now Victor Caratini is going to get a bulk of the catching. We've got the Cubs lineup. We will um, I rattle that off for you in a second. Um, one thing that I didn't know much about Nick Castellanos, I knew enough that he, I didn't like him because he, he hit the hell out of the ball against the White Sox. He can go gap to gap, not a bad outfielder. Um, he'd beaten the White Sox numerous times. But Joe Madden said something about Nick Castellanos yesterday, which I thought was very interesting. Give it a listen.
4: He's reminding us what hunger looks like. You know, that's this guy really, um, he's happy to be here, obviously, to, to play in his in this ballpark, and, and he's he wants to get uh, to the postseason badly. And I, I love what he's doing. hes I've talked about it every day, conversationally, his work, everything about him indicates, let's go. I, I want to play in October, and I love it.
2: So that's great. That's absolutely great because maybe, you know, some of the other guys needed this. They needed somebody else to come in who hasn't had the four straight years of the playoffs. And to see how hard these guys play, um, Castellanos is one of those guys. So I think that's a perfect thing for him to come in, see what he can do. He's in the lineup again, obviously. Today he is back in right field. Jason Hayward leading off in center field with Castellanos in right. Rizzo at first. Javi Baez at shortstop. He is batting uh, fourth. Uh, Kyle Schwarber in left. Victor Caratini behind the plate. Tony Kemp is at second base. David Bodie at third. Hugh Darvish on the hill, as I mentioned, with Tony Andraki last half hour. Uh, no Chris Bryant today. And probably a scheduled day off we'll find out more when Madden talks to the media in just a little bit and we'll let you know, but that's probably what it is. He did have the knee problem, but he he got a couple of hits the other day. He is um, he's a guy that for the longest time I wondered why guys didn't throw him higher or high heat. Uh, it, he, with his swing and his launch angle swing, you would think that high heat is going to get him all the time and I understand the pitchers sometimes can't Always throw the ball where they want to, and uh, that can be a problem. 312 332 3776. So the Cubs wrap up their series with the Brewers, the White Sox in Philadelphia. They had the 15 inning win two nights ago as they knocked off the Phillies. It went long. The White Sox uh, prevailed, got the win yesterday. There were a couple things in the White Sox game. They lost the game. Final score, uh, three to two. The White Sox are now 47 and 61. Russ Detweiler actually pitched pretty well. Uh, and then, um, some, some bad things happened.
1: So gunned down for only the third time this year. He's been successful six of the nine. And thank goodness he was because Bryce Harper has visited the second deck to tie the ball game he got his fastball up and away and put a charge into it that's the 19th home run of the year he's driven in 73 a no doubter he just watches it ever so briefly he admires his handiwork and then circles the bags Tying the game up at one. Wind's blowing that way. Would you call that wind blown? I would not in any
0: way, shape, or form. Man. Now this one flies to center field by Hoskins. Garcia at that short wall, and
1: he's got no play. It's into the forest, and Hoskins says two. The Phillies are playing make it, take it here in the fourth. Hoskins hit the daylight out of one in the second inning that died just before the track and that one just kept on going that's his 24th, 69th driven in and the Phillies take the lead back to back jacks and another no-doubter.
2: Highlights courtesy WGN-TV, Channel 9. I'm going to bring in our producer and uh, the guy that puts everything together on Saturday and Sunday mornings, Eric Ostrowski. Eric, there are numerous times when you cut highlights, and I've got some highlights coming up later. Like we have uh, Nelson Cruz hit Three Homers where you have to cut the highlights. You didn't have to cut anything there, did you? I,
5: it's funny you're asking me this because <laughs> as I'm sitting down to pull this, I'm, I thought I did not have to cut out Empty crowd noise, uh-huh. or pitches. It was literally they were discussing Harper's home run as Hoskins hit hits. Yeah. Like it was, <laughs> I did not have to touch that at all. I started it and ended it. That's it.
2: Unbelievable. I was in the car actually um, uh, coming home. My wife actually is in the hospital. Broke her hip last week. Uh, the you know the hits just keep on coming, and I'm I'm in the car and I heard both of the homers. And it's <laughs> Ed Farmer actually said on the radio broadcast. He goes, a, a, a very, I'm trying to think of the word he used, but he said like something like a, a, a very, uh, difficult, not difficult, um, some kind of lead. And he goes. It's a very precarious lead, one nothing, with the White Sox had, and boom, the home run by Harper, and then boom, the home run by Hoskins. Before I was stopped at a light when both homers were hit yesterday, and yesterday the White Sox, they fell behind. They actually played pretty well. They went down three to one. Then here's what I wanted to ask you, Sox fans. You probably have an opinion, so listen to what I'm going to talk about, and then jump in three one two three three two three seven seven six. And you analytics guys out there too, you can call and let me know. White Sox in the seventh inning have one out. Eloy Jimenez and Tim Anderson bulking on base. Eloy singles, Anderson doubles. So you've got one out, two men on. Now Joe Madden has made a career out of the safety squeeze, getting a run home. So the White Sox tried that. Yomer Sanchez not having a great year. Sanchez bunts. Hoskins picks it up, flips to first base, or flips to home plate, and gets the runner out. And a lot of Cub fan, or Sox fans are going crazy. You, why are you doing that? Why are you bunting? And even Steve Stone on the broadcast on Channel 9 said, well, nobody loves bunting more than Ricky. And as it turns out, the White Sox don't score in that inning. Ninth inning. Okay, the White Sox are down by two. Three to one. There are two on. Nobody out. And Eloy's at the plate. Eloy strikes out. Tim Anderson strikes out. Sanchez at the plate again. Now remember, Sanchez was the guy that Renteria bunted with. Well, you're not going to bunt now. There's two outs. And you have the runners on. So Sanchez, plus the runners are on first and second. Sanchez hits a gapper between right and center. One run scores, the other runner goes to third. And immediately I'm getting texts saying, I don't care who's batting, you've got to bunt. So what's your opinion on the White Sox bunting with Yolmer Sanchez on the safety squeeze to try and get a run in, which didn't work, and then not bunting when you have first and second, you're down by two runs in the ninth inning, But you have Eloy and Tim Anderson coming up to the plate. Now, I know what the analytics say. I know what all the quote experts say. They say that the odds are better of you scoring with a runner at first and nobody out than a runner at second and one out. Well, here you would have had runners at first and second, nobody out, or second and third and one out. The White Sox decided not to bunt. Eloy strikes out. Tim Anderson strikes out. White Sox end up losing 3 to 2. Your thoughts on that? We'll talk about it when we come back. 312 332 Fred Hubner with us, Some Bears talk next hour and some highlights from around Major League Baseball and some Chicago Fire and Chicago Red Stars talk. Before we're out of here at 12, I'm Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000.
0: Chicago's Game Day
2: with Fred Huebner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. White Sox and Phillies wrap up their series later on today at Citizens Bank Ballpark. It'll be Ronaldo Lopez against Drew Smiley. Lopez, 1-1 one one with a 2.05 ERA in his four start since the All-Star break. He's got to do this consistently. He was so inconsistent in the first half. Uh, talking about the bunting situations. The, should the White Sox have bunted with Sanchez? When Eloy got thrown out at the plate, and uh, should they have bunted with Eloy when they had first and second, nobody out in the ninth? Um, get your opinion three one two three three two three seven seven six out to Homer Glenn and Denny. Denny, you're on ESPN one thousand. What's up?
3: Hey guys, I was watching the uh, play last night on the news with Eloy, and uh, first off, that is the worst jump for a runner coming down the line that I ever saw in my life. It was
1: almost like he was surprised that the bunt was on. He didn't start running right away. Number one. Number
3: two, he came lumbering down the line. And this was like in the movie Major League. He kind of like dove into the ground about 18 feet in <laughs> front of the base. And
1: yeah. he's coming to a halt before he gets to the plate. And, you know, where the, the in
3: Major League, we just took the mitt down and went, hey, and he tagged him on the head. He could have done that with Eli. I'm not sure he even made it to the plate. He started sliding so early. But I just thought it was really funny because Eli – Eli screwed up that play because he could have scored if he would have been running down the line when the bunt was on.
2: Yeah, and you know, Sanchez actually, uh, Yomer Sanchez actually said afterwards he thought he got a good bunt down. I would have liked it not actually directly at Hoskins. I mean, Hoskins made a nice barehanded flip, but you're right, uh, Eli didn't. I I initially thought that maybe the plate was being blocked by the catcher, but that was just wishful thinking, I guess. Well, I don't think he was going to make it all the way to the plate, no matter what. <laughs> Danny, appreciate the phone call. Danny, let's go to uh, Oak Lawn and Scott. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Scott.
6: Hey, what's going on? Not much. So I just wanted, I just wanted to mention that. On I think it's the, I think the sacrifice was a little old school. I believe that pitchers have a lot more pressure on the line when they see a guy in second and third. I think he, they should have been looking for a pitch to drive, in which he didn't later in the game, and. I just think in those situations, like especially when you're – how many games under 500? I think the fans want to see something a little more exciting than a sacrifice bunt.
2: Let me ask you a question. And, Let me ask you a question, yeah. though, on the one with the runners at second and third and the play where Eloy got thrown out on the Sanchez bund. Um Madden mm-hmm. and the Cubs have made it like – I mean, they do it all the time, and it works all it, the, yeah. almost all the time. Um, and you know it's coming. I mean, you're sitting there watching the game, and you go, okay, there's one out. There's a man on third. Joe's going to bunt. And, like, the other team knows it, and the Cubs know it, and the fans know it, and it always works. Um, I didn't necessarily well, think it was yeah. a bad play, but did you agree with the previous caller that it was just, Eloy got an awful jump?
6: I, I just, I think he got a bad jump. One, you also can't run over the catcher like you used to back in the day. Right. They drop the ball a lot of the time. That puts a lot of more thought into the catcher's mind, knowing, it, hey, this runner's coming at me. And nowadays they can't touch him, so that catcher, he feels pretty safe at home. But I I don't believe that was the right call at the time. I just think Sanchez should have been looking for a ball to drive. He obviously got a good pitch to punt. I think he could have drove that thing. And, uh, I mean, it would have worked. Madden in the past, yeah, he made his career off that. But rules have changed. History has changed. Pitching has changed. And I just think, hey, we're that many games under five hundred. Give us something exciting to watch.
2: So you're not so you're not upset uh, with runners at first and second and nobody out that Eloy didn't bunt the guys to second and third in the ninth inning.
6: Oh, absolutely not. That would have been insane, yeah. especially that late in the game. Yeah, for years. Yeah, he's, he's too big of a power hitter.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that one, Scott. I appreciate it. it I understand it can work. It could have worked. Eloy could have bunted him. Tim Anderson could have got a single. They both could have scored. They could have tied the game. But, you know, based on analytics, it's not the right move to do it. And for years and years, this is all the way back to when Aramis Ramirez was with the Cubs. And this was a huge thing where Aramis Ramirez had runners at first and second. They didn't sacrifice bunt. And the people in sports talk radio went crazy. And I said, you don't – Aramis Ramirez is not there to bunt. Well, Eli Jimenez is not there to bunt. But there was a lot of the old school guys and a lot of other people who said – we understand that. But a bunt there would have gotten the runners both in scoring position and a single scores them both and you tie the game. But I guess the analytics show that it's not worth it. And by percentage, is. let's go really quickly to Oak Park and Justin. Justin, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening?
3: Hey, Fred. Thanks for having me on, man.
2: What's going on? Uh,
3: I wanted to reiterate that I believe personally bunting is totally situational. Now, in that situation, you have Eloy on third. Eloy's a power guy. He's not a base runner. He's not quick. So, of course, he's going to have a slow jump. I would not do it. I believe Yomar Sanchez is a switch hitter. So, why would you have this guy bunt when he's matched up on the correct side versus the pitcher?
2: Matched up on the correct side. I don't know what. He's a switch hitter, but he was batting uh, lefty at that one. Now he could have okay. he could have bunted towards third, and it would have been maybe more difficult for the third baseman to get it. But where he bunted, Haskins made a pretty easy play. It was a nice play, but it was a pretty easy play. Mm-hmm. What, what did you so think? What did you think about the last inning and not bunting? Would you even ever even think about bunting with uh, Eloy? No, it's it was,
3: the situation was no outs. Correct. I didn't actually see the game. Yeah, it
2: was so... no no outs. First and second, ninth inning.
3: Yeah, you you let Eli swing away. Why would you ever consider bunting there? Yeah, he's a power guy. He's it's a good matchup for him, and, and let him let him do what he does best, and that's hit the ball hard.
2: Yeah, even, absolutely. Not. You're right, Justin. Even though it didn't work, I appreciate the call. Even though it didn't work. You're hoping for Eloy to be your power guy, your RBI guy, your guy that drives in runs. I understand you want to go on out there and win each and every game, but Eloy's going to learn more by hitting the ball in the gap, driving in runs, than he is by bunting. I understand it's old school. I understand maybe maybe my old coach, Coach John Syme, maybe he's out there right now listening and he's saying, oh, no, you should have bunted, get the runners in, but... John's a a season ticket holder for the Sox, and I don't think he would have liked to see Eloy Bunting. We come back, some Bears talk, right here on ESPN 1000.
0: Back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
2: Good morning. Hope you're having a great Sunday morning. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000. Be here till 12 o'clock. We have uh, a lot to get into. Talk some Bears. Talk uh, and play some of the uh, baseball highlights from around the major leagues. And there some amazing performances in baseball yesterday. And uh, we will get to uh, many of those. One of them, a guy that used to pitch with Carson Fulmer. And a guy that came out in the draft the same year as Carson Fulmer. The guy that went like 23rd in the draft, where Carson Fulmer went like 4th or 3rd or whatever the White Sox picked him. You can tell I'm aggravated about that. We'll, We'll get to that in just a little bit. Let's talk about something else that I will be excited about on September 5th, and that is football. The Chicago Bears. We'll take on the Green Bay Packers at Soldier Field on Thursday night to open the season, the 100th season, the centennial season for your Chicago Bears. You want to talk some Bears football, jump in 312-332-3776. If you agree or disagree with me, you can jump on in anyway. Uh, But I, for years and years, I used to be so excited about the start of spring training in baseball. And the same thing, I was so excited about the start of training camp in the NFL. And a couple years ago, I'm up there in age, a couple years ago, I said, you know, spring training's great for the first week, and then it's like, get the regular season underway already. This is crazy. Now, the NFL's the same way for me. Oh, by the way, I should mention that all of our shows will be at Bourbon A tomorrow. Cap and company will be there. Uh, Carmen and Yurko will be there. Waddle and Sylvie will be there. Talking to the players, coaches being out there, and uh, they'll have all kinds of fun out in A as the Bears get ready for their first preseason game coming up on Thursday. But I can't wait until the start of the season. I could not care less about what's going on in training camp. The only thing, and Cap has said it numerous times, Cap and Company, 9 to noon, Monday through Friday here on ESPN 1000. Cap has said it numerous times, and I don't always agree with Cap. But on this one, I do just get out of training camp healthy. You saw the injuries that certain teams have had in training camps right off the bat. Okay, New York Giants lose a couple of receivers the first day of training camp. They lose two receivers. Okay, the Bears can't afford to lose anybody. You want to be healthy going into camp. You don't know what's going to happen during the season. You want to be healthy during the year. Training camp is just to get the guys out there, let them recreate, get them in shape, know the game plan. Let's take on the Packers on the opener and go from there. So last night was Family Fest. And oh my God, Eddie Pinheiro was 12 for 12 with a long of 60 yards. Woo! Means nothing until he kicks in the regular season. If it's even him, Elliot Fry was 10 for 11 on uh, Saturday, or actually on Friday. Uh, three of them, fifty yards or more, doesn't mean anything. We're waiting for the regular season, but a lot of football fans are excited. There were a lot of eighteen thousand plus turned out at Family Fest yesterday. It's cool. Bring the kids out there, get them a chance to see it. You know, maybe you can't get tickets to the games. Maybe this was your chance to bring the youngsters out there to Soldier Field and see the Bears uh, practice. And it was a lengthy practice, one I understand. Um, you had the kickers out there; they were both out there kicking. But there's just a couple things that I want to see. But I want to see them once the season starts. It doesn't matter to me how it look how they look in training camp. If I hear one more person say, "Well, you know, Mitchell Trubisky's struggling," okay, he's playing against the Bears defense. It's the ones against the ones. This is the only time they do it. They don't do it during the regular season. Okay, it's the ones against the ones, and. Yeah, he's going to struggle against guys because you've got the Bears putting things in defensively that they have not seen before. Man, Nagy has not seen it before. And Nagy says one of the most important things he has to do is prevent the off edge from getting frustrated
4: when you're out here we're testing some things with, with we don't really care what the coverage is and so is uh chuck chuck's testing you know there's some defenses we're seeing on first down that we'll never see uh in a game it's just you know uh it is what it is but t- he's got to get that in so we can see it so to me um, being on the offensive side of the ball with the offensive guys, I have to make sure that they don't get frustrated, knowing that sometimes there's unrealistic looks, but we have to test things, and so we were t- telling the guys today to kind of force some throws, and just, just put them up there, and um, what you want to see is the defensive guys make plays, uh, and and so there was, um, you know, it, it's, it's good for our offense, um, because it, it can be frustrating for certain reasons, but But it's also going to help them. Uh, I I really believe that in the beginning of the season. It's going
2: to help them in the beginning of the season. So the next time you hear anybody say, well, Mitchell Trubisky with two more interceptions in training camp today, just let it roll off your back. It doesn't matter. And, you know, people will say, well, you're just saying that because you're a Trubisky. It doesn't matter if I'm a Trubisky fan or a Trubisky hater. Nothing that happens in training camp is going to mean anything until the start of the season. You just want to keep the guys healthy. Nagy was asked what Mitch has actually improved
4: upon. Just his timing, his anticipation, you know, and that's not really mechanics as much as it is just knowing the offense. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's believing and throwing with conviction. Uh, we're still There's still some things he has. We, we have some kinks in. You know, it's not, he's, what is he, a year and a half into this thing? So there's still a lot of things that we're learning. I'm still learning. Uh, but we do feel, we feel confident. We feel much better right now than we did last year at this time and i I hope we feel that way obviously week one i know i mean the quote
2: media but i I can't even imagine how matt nagy has to talk after each practice about what happened in practice and answer the questions what would you see from mitch today well i saw a guy go through practice and uh through the ball and uh he made some nice moves and some we're gonna have to improve on next question it, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. But this is what everyone's talking about. And I know this is a huge time of year. Fans are getting gearing up for fantasy. and But nothing that happens, believe me, nothing that happens in uh, the four preseason games is going to mean a hill of beans once uh, the regular season starts. It doesn't matter. I can't wait to see what David Montgomery can do. But I don't necessarily care what he does in the preseason games. I'd like to see him run, because I really haven't seen him run much. I wasn't a big... I didn't watch a lot of his college action. Mike Davis, I saw in Seattle. Um, I know that he is a guy that can actually do some things that the Bears offense is going to enjoy doing, and we'll see it once the season starts, September 9th, or September 5th, against Green Bay. The offensive line, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair. I mentioned it with Murph yesterday. Murph and Fred, 9 to noon on Saturday mornings. Um... If Mitchell Trubisky can be comfortable that the shotgun snaps are going to come right to him instead of down by his knees and over his left shoulder or anywhere else, like Cody Whitehair usually does for half the season, then I'm all for the James Daniels at center. And it appears that that's what will happen. Remember, Daniels played center in college, and Whitehair played guard in college. So now they're moving to those positions. You've got Kyle Long. Healthy, taking less money. He has not missed a practice, from what I understand. That's a great thing. Um, the offensive line, solidarity, just being there each and every day for the season is huge. So, again, this goes back to nobody getting hurt in a regular season. The wide receivers, it's amazing to me that people are talking, well, Allen Robinson, he's not really, you know, a stop. He's 26. He's a young guy. He was actually hurt last year during the playoff game and still played. What this Bears wide receiving crew can do is really good. Just because they don't necessarily have the names that you're all looking for. um, They can be really good. Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller. I would like to see Javon Wims get a chance. um, And we'll see if he does or not. I know last year he had a couple of games. Uh, He impressed in preseason last year. Didn't you get all excited in the preseason about Javon Wims last year? And then we didn't see them. So, again, nothing that happens in the preseason means anything until the regular season starts. And uh, they actually know that. The coaches do. Um, Defensively. The biggest question is, is this defense going to be as impactful as last year's? And when you see the number of takeaways this Bears team had, uh, you know, Carmen's rattled off the numbers, and Sylvie and Waddle, everybody's rattled off the numbers. It's all It happens almost every year. If you listen to uh, Golick and Wingo uh, Monday through Friday, you will hear Golick Jr. talk about it. There's always like an 11-takeover drop after the team that leads the NFL in takeaways one year from the from one year to the next, it, it drops like 11. So that means that the Bears are not probably going to have as many takeaways as they did last year. They led the NFL in takeaways and interceptions, and that's probably not going to happen. It would be nice if it did, but it probably won't. But this defense is loaded, and with the additions of Ha Clinton-Dix and Buster Screen taking over for Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan, it's very, very good. It's a really good defense. Again, keep everybody healthy. I want to see Danny Trevathan play every game this year. I want to see the improvement of Roquan Smith. I want to see what Khalil Mack can do after he's had a training camp with the Bears and what he can do on the field. But I'm not worried about any of it until September 5th when they play the Packers. So it's difficult going through all these preseason games with the first one starting on Thursday. Because last year, remember how we were frustrated because we didn't see really any of the Bears uh, regulars play in the preseason? I don't know how many we'll see this year. And I don't know if we're going to, you know, how we're going to react. Friday morning, we'll be here talking about it. Did we see enough? Did we not see enough? Why are we watching these games? Why do they play preseason games? And I know Black and Abdallah were talking about it this morning. And Abdallah said, well, the preseason games, I don't know if he was talking about the importance of it, but Black brought up a great a great point. Colleges don't have preseason games. They have scrimmages. They know who their guys are. They play their games. Why the NFL needs them? I know. It always comes down to money. Now, one of the Bears', off, the Bears offensive coaches, offensive coordinator Mark Helfrich, said something this week. And I just wanted to know what you guys think. Mark Helfrich really likes the Bears' defense. He knows that his offense in training camp is going up against this Bears defense. And he thinks it's one of the best he's ever seen.
4: I don't think a defense has existed like this. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I've played against some really, really, really good defenses. But this, you know, they're, they're just so, they're number one, they're talented, right? They've got dudes everywhere, guys that care about it as much as they do. Uh, Cleo Mack works as hard as anybody out here, and it's, it's that's fun to see. Uh, it's it's fun to be a part of on Sundays. It's not, not so much fun on Tuesday, you know, but but uh, it'll help us in the long run. You know, you're preparing against the best.
2: Yeah, you are preparing against the best. But Mark Helfrich said, I don't think a defense has existed like this. And I know, on the odds couple, Friday nights, 6-7, with Cameron DeFalco and Mike North, Mike was all over just like, did he not know of the 85 Bears? Yeah, there's a defense that has existed like this. Now, maybe this Bears defense can get close to what the 85 Bears defense was. And if that's the case, we'll be playing in February. It was February 4th in the Super Bowl. But for Mark Helfrich to say just the first line.
0: I don't think a defense has existed like this. um, Well,
2: I don't know about that, Mark. I think people in Chicago know what defense is. And uh, this defense is really, really good, but they've got a ways to go until they prove they can do what that defense did. And, uh, you know, that's a, a lofty goal to put out there. Um, uh, Speaking of defense, the guy that's going to be running that defense, Chuck Pagano, he takes over for Vic Fangio. And Fangio was, hopefully he feels better. I know he had kidney stones the other day and... Then he's standing on the sideline for the uh, Hall of Fame game on Thursday night. And again, why can't why can't they put the Hall of Fame game back where it used to be on Sundays, the day after the Hall of Fame uh, speeches? I would like that. Instead, they play it Thursday. Then they have the speeches. They had them last night, and we're going to talk about one of those speeches in just a second. But Chuck Pagano has uh, a lot to hold up to because. What Vic Fangio did with this was absolutely amazing. Uh what he did with the defense last year. And Pagano talks about stepping into a situation where he's taken over for Vic Fangio, which with a defense that pretty much is all there, all ready to go. I walked into
1: the very best situation. I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times, that anybody could walk into. You know, now it's just, you know, my job, our job, the staff's job. We always talk about us. It's unity over self. It's, it's all of us. It's team first. It's Coach Nagy's vision. So, Coach Nagy's vision, excuse me. And uh, so, it's just our job to make sure that uh, we do the right thing. We put these guys in the right spots.
2: And that's what it's going to be. Chuck Pagano is going to be dissected and uh, taken take apart. By what his defense does, because that's what we have. We know what the offense is. It's Nagy and Helfrich, and the defense was Fangio last year. Now it's not. Now it is Chuck Pagano. And speaking of the Hall of Fame speeches last night, and we, when you want to talk Bears, 3123323776. We got some baseball highlights coming up in a second. I did not watch, again, this might just be a part of getting old. Uh, I did not watch the Hall of Fame speeches last night. Um, Kevin Moai, Ty Law, Tony Gonzalez, all had some good stuff. Uh, Gil Brandt, who I know that Black and Abdallah told a great story that when they used to book Gil Brandt, he said, listen, an hour before I come on with Jay Hood or whoever was doing the evening show, you need to fax me who I'm on with, what we're going to talk about, the number to call and all that kind of stuff. Champ Bailey was also there. But I also did a, a show with Gil Brandt on a network. It was all over um, and it, it was on I would do a review of one of the divisions each and every week, a five-minute hit with Steve Cohen from Sirius Satellite and Gil Brands. And every week, I'd go on for like two or three seasons. And this week I would feature the, um, the Central, the NFC Central or the NFC South or whatever it was. And I had a chance to do some stuff with Gil Brandt. Just being able to go on with this guy, the godfather of football pretty much. He's, you know, scouting and everything else that he's done. It was great to see him. But Ed Reed was on last night. Ed Reed was hilarious. And his bust looks so cool. It's one of the coolest looking busts. And actually, um, Major League Baseball with their plaques really should be embarrassed. Because the NFL, the NFL busts are awesome looking. Uh, if you want to go to a Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame would probably be the better one to go to. Uh, I have not been to Canton yet. I have been to Cooperstown. And uh, walking down a hall just looking at plaques is not my idea of fun. But the other stuff I enjoy. But anyway, I digress, as I like to do. Ed Reed was talking. And during his speech, he mentioned how important Chuck Pagano was to his career. Chuck Pagano,
1: man, this guy here taught me just about everything, what it, was about, what, what it is to know about being a, a defensive back. And I took it to the next level because he was like a father to me, him and C.J. Curtis Johnson, both coaches in the NFL right now. That's how I know your coaching matters. That's why you hear guys up here talking about their coaching.
2: Yeah, so there he is, Ed Reed, Hall of Famer, talking about Chuck Pagano. So if you had some doubts and you were wondering, here's a Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever play the game, Ed Reed. And um, there was a great thing about uh, Tom Brady and on his wrist with all the plays, he would. Ju- it said when they played against Ed Reed's team, just know where number 20 is on every play and that just goes to show you the respect that Ed Reed got around the league, and he gives so much credit to Chuck Pagano for the player that he turned out to be. Now, hopefully Pagano can give some of that to... HaHa Clinton Dix, who's a guy that was in Green Bay and in other places in, in Washington and now coming to play for the Bears. They need him to step up at that safety position to play along with Eddie Jackson. And I'm really eager and looking forward to how, what that's going to to be like. Um, one other thing I wanted to get into, HaHa Clinton Dix. I mean, oh, the, the Mac and the and the Akeem Hicks and that, if you've listened to uh, our Pre-game shows over the last several years, me and um, Steve Mongo McMichael, we would talk quite often about uh, Akeem Hicks. And Mongo liked what Akeem Hicks did, but for the longest time he said, listen, he's, he can't stay out there on the field because he's out of shape. And people would call and they would criticize Mongo and that and that. And during the season, you would see that slowly but surely Hicks would get better. Hicks would get better. And in better shape and able to stay on out there. And it was nice to see. And Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and that defense is going to be so much fun to watch. Chasing down Aaron Rodgers when the season gets underway. Again, in September. September 5th. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I don't mean to... Depress any of you that are really excited about what's coming up with training camp and the preseason games. And really, if you're excited about preseason games, then you have more problems than, than just that. Fred, uh, I
5: totally agree. Like it's nice that they lace them up and you get to watch football, but everything For how long? You don't even it's not even worth watching it for the quarters anymore. May, maybe a series. Yeah, because right. as as we witnessed last year, Nagy's going to do again this year. Anything that we want to see, we're not gonna no, see. Like if Trubisky's in, he's handing the ball off four times. Yeah. I can't wait to watch Roquan Smith in his second year. I'd be surprised if he gets ten snaps all preseason. Yeah. Like we're not gonna watch him fly around.
2: So anything that there is to See, it, it it's not there for us. Yeah, and I like I said, caps thing. It's, it's the most important thing at training camp is just keep everyone healthy because you want your team to be healthy and each and every single game. One of the things leading up to it with the injury report is who's not playing? Who's a little bit dinged up? We want the Bears to be 100% as they take the field against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because you want to get this season started off on the right foot. I loved what I heard this week from Matt Nagy and what I've heard this week from Ryan Pace when they were talking about we did nothing last year. We won twelve games, but we didn't win a playoff game. We lost our only playoff game. We did nothing. We played to we played well enough to get into the postseason and then we did not do we did not play well enough. And I loved hearing that because I didn't want to hear that, well, we're getting close. We did what we wanted to do. We hit on most No. We did nothing. We didn't get to the where we wanted to go. And I was I loved hearing that the other day. It was so I I, I think the way that they've Uh, approached it is the same way the team is approaching it. And that's important because you've got to go on out there and take it. They're not going to give you anything. How many times do you think this defense has heard? Well, yeah, you led the team, the league in takeaways and interceptions, but ah, that's not going to happen next year because it never happens. Hey, that's what the defense needs to know. They need to say, hey, listen, we're going to go on out and do what we did last year and even be better. And maybe they can be with Chuck Pagano. And that's what I'm eager to see. Again, starting on Thursday, September 5th. Um, White Sox lineup is out. Let me give it to you real quick. I can do it really fast if I can read this writing. Uh, Lurie Garcia in center, Tim Anderson at short of at first with John Jay in right. Eli Jimenez is, uh, hitting fifth in left field. Then you have Goins at third base, McCann catching, hitting seventh. He's been struggling. Yomer Sanchez in second base and Ronaldo Lopez has to hit and he's pitching and batting ninth as they take on the Phillies. That one gets underway a little after 12 o'clock. We come back, a lot more baseball, some soccer before out of here, right here on ESPN 1000.
0: Chicago's Game Day with Fred Huebner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
2: Uh, lots of baseball chatter. We've been talking about it all morning long. we got some soccer before I'm out of here. Chris Bryant not in the starting lineup today for the Cubs. Uh, Could just be getting a rest as the Cubs do not have Monday off. They have the Oakland A's coming to town. Um, But the Cubs have placed Wilson Contreras on the injured list and brought up Taylor Davis. Now, Jesse Rogers, just to let everybody know, we know that the trading deadline's over. You cannot make a waiver trade or any of that stuff. But... Jesse, just want to let everybody know the Cubs can claim a catcher off of waivers or trade for one on a minor league deal who also hasn't been in the majors all year. So if there's a guy out there that's a catcher uh, that has not played in the majors this year, uh, you can still go on out and get him. So we'll no doubt hear more about that as we go along. Um... But right now, the Cubs without Wilson Contreras as they gear up to take on the Brewers again this afternoon. Every week, I like to play some of the highlights around Major League Baseball. And uh, those damn twins, they get a lot of highlights as they are continuing to try to hold on to their spot in the American League Central. And one of the reasons they do it is Nelson Cruz. And the 2-1 pitch, a fly ball to right, deep down the line, in the corner, Starling at the wall, looks up,
1: that ball is gone. twins three batters in and the old two pitches drive to left field and deep back it goes deep it goes third deck
0: and that's some gone back to back Palatko and the boom seven two twins hit high in the air right field this ball's got a chance get up gone. Nelson
2: Cruz with a three over game That's right, Nelson Cruz, three home runs. White Sox fans, you remember that. He did that just a couple weeks ago against the White Sox. The Twins right now have a three-game lead over the Indians in the AL Central. Twins go on to an 11-3 win over Kansas City. There is a pitcher that pitched at Vanderbilt and got drafted a couple years ago, same year the White Sox drafted a pitcher from Vanderbilt. Seems the White Sox got the wrong guy because Walker Buehler is really good.
0: Three balls, two strikes. First three ball count of the night for Bueller. Swung on and missed. Strike three. Fifteen strikeouts for Bueller. His second complete game of the year as the Dodgers beat
2: the Padres four to one and go thirty-three games over five hundred. 33 games, Charlie Steiner with a call, Dodgers Radio, 73-40. and They are Walker Bueller, complete game, 15 strikeouts, no walks. Okay, here you go. Pitchers with multiple 15-plus strikeout games and no walks in a single season since 1908. There's been four. Dwight Gooden, Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez, again. And Walker Bueller. again, multiple 15-plus strikeout games, 15 or more, and no walks. That's amazing. And I heard the stat coming in this morning. Walker Bueller has walked four hitters in home starts at Dodger Stadium this year. Four, all year long. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty darn good. The Braves are on top of the NL East. They have a seven-game lead over the Nationals and the Phillies, and one of the reasons is Ronald Acuna.
0: Bouncing ball, finish. Sends us home with a 5-4 victory. First career walk-off hit for Ronald Acuna. The first Braves hit since the fifth inning. And in ten innings, the Braves outlast the the Reds and beat them by a 5-4 final score.
2: A chip carry with a call. Fox Sports South as the Braves get the victory 5-4 Five to four over Cincinnati wasn't the only walk-off win last night in baseball. Here comes the full
1: count pitch from Ramirez, and this one is swung on and lifted to deep left center field. Jones is chasing, and that ball is gone. Ruvanodor walks it off against Nick Ramirez here in the tenth inning, and the Rangers win this ball game five to four. Opposite field shot number twenty on the season. Perugia.
2: How cool is that? They got the nat- the uh, natural theme the song in the background. I heard that it was coming through clear. I love it. Oh it's perfect. my god, that's awesome. That's very, very cool. I think, as of right now, I think every walk-off homer should have that song being played. It's nostalgic sounding. Like, it's epic it? nostalgia. Yeah, it sounded great. Oh, my Lord. And then uh-huh. they should pop some of the lights in, 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 in the <laughs> yeah, stadium. Some pyrotechnics. Too. Let's yeah, do it. Especially at night. We're probably, we, we've hit the most, you know, probably the best thing that happened yesterday. Aaron Sanchez was awful this year. He lost 13 consecutive decisions. He led all of the major leagues with 14 losses. But... He got traded the other day before the trade deadline. He got traded from the Blue Jays to the Houston Astros. And what happens? Well, he joined three other guys to shut down and no hit Seattle.
0: 3 2 from Devo. Hit high in the air to right center field. This is playable for Reddick. He's there, makes the catch, and the Astros have shown a no hitter. Aaron Sanchez, Will Harris, Joe Biagini, and Chris Davinsky. Hold the Mariners
2: to no hits. They held them to no hits, all right. uh, Highlights courtesy Astros Radio. And that's the second time this season the Mariners have been no hit by multiple pitchers in a game. I mean, the Mariners, who started off so hot. Remember how hot they were when the season started? And they have just been absolutely brutal since then. But uh, there's something they do down in Houston. And I just think it's the elevated fastball and the curveballs out of the zone. Uh, but I did not watch that game last night. But uh, Aaron Sanchez, 14 losses. and Now he goes uh, six hitless innings. And uh, three other guys come in. They get a no-hitter against Seattle.
5: If you're uh, Aaron Sanchez, are you telling your grandkids that you pitched a no-hitter?
2: Yeah. You and
5: just, just kind of say,
2: a- I pitched part of a (laughs) no-hitter like you just sneak that in real quietly me and some of my buddies pitched a no-hitter yeah 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 uh the yankees are running away with the american league east they have an eight-game lead over tampa bay boston now 13 and a half back as the yankees took a doubleheader yesterday and i'm sorry cub fans it just so happens that some former cubs uh had really good games uh belted a couple of home runs first it was uh the guy that murph and i love talking about dj lemayhew Here's a drive to right center field off Mayhew's
0: bat, back, back by the 385 side and in the bullpen for a 1-0 Yankee lead. Well, Bobby, I'm glad that you got to call it because we go over it day after day after day how much fun it is to watch TJ LeMayhew swing the bat, hit the ball where it's pitched, hopefully get this game back to the art of hitting. He has been something for the New York Yankees. His fourth leadoff homer this year. A career-high 16 home runs, and consider that. He played for several seasons at Coors Field. And the 2-1 pitch. In the air to right, Betts goes back, looking up. It's out of here! You never know. With the way the ball carries this year in baseball, and with the short distance to right field at Yankee Stadium, you don't know. Here's what we know for sure. Seven-one Yankees. Lemayhu is three
2: for three, and two of the hits are homers. Yeah, DJ Lemayhu goes deep twice as the Yankees win the day part of the day-night doubleheader over Boston nine to two uh, as they take care of Chris Sale as he gave up seven runs in one inning. Then the nightcap happened, and another guy that used to be in the Cubs, Claybert Torres, uh, he stepped up and he'd been struggling, but not yesterday. And the one-one.
0: Swung on, hit high in the air to left. Back goes Travis on the track. He's at the wall. She's gone. It's
1: Glaber day. Glaber hit one over
0: the auxiliary scoreboard in left field. And the Yankees are on the board. Like a good Glaber, Torres is there. And the Yankees trail 2-1. Torres with a long one to left. Looks like his second of the night. And there it is. And boy, he hit a jolt into the
2: second deck and left. Like a good glaber. Torres is there. Oh, the calls from not only Bob Costas from the Yes Network, but uh, you have get John Sterling from the uh, WFAN. And uh, if you get a chance... There is a feature on this month's Real Sports uh, with Brian Gumbel. I'm not the biggest Brian Gumbel fan, but he uh, did a feature on John Sterling. And Sterling, it's interesting because you heard Bob Costas on the Yes Network, and that's because Michael Kay has taken some time off. Well, John Sterling also took some time off earlier this year after 30 years of not taking time off. He does the uh, games on uh, WFAN and took some time off. And there's a great feature on uh, John Sterling. Um, And uh, if you get a chance, it's on Real Sports and uh, HBO. You should uh, check it out. That's some of the highlights around Major League Baseball. Again, uh, Chris Bryant not in the starting lineup for the Cubs today. Joe Madden saying that Bryant's got a bit of a knee thing going on. And uh, he did get a couple hits the other day. So he'll rest up today, be ready, hopefully, for the Oakland A's. The Cubs have called up Taylor Davis to uh, take the place of Wilson Contreras. He will have an MRI on his uh, ailing hamstring on Monday. So we'll see how things go there. The White Sox, they get underway top of the hour. We come back, a little bit of soccer news. Chicago Fire got a win. The Red Stars got a win. The uh, Soccer was going on this morning. The Community Shield game over at Wembley Stadium. We'll talk about that more we come back. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000.
0: Chicago's Game Day with Fred Huebner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
2: Welcome back in. Fred Huebner with you. The Chicago Fire have been a frustrating soccer team to watch. Uh, This year especially uh, because they've been struggling big time. They had won just one of their last 11 games last week. They played Wayne Rooney and uh, D.C. United out at Heat Geek Stadium, and uh, they didn't lose. They didn't win. Nobody scored! It's a scoreless draw, but it was a clean sheet. They call it a clean sheet in soccer. As Kenneth Cronholm, a uh, goalkeeper they picked up from Bundesliga 2, um, has been playing pretty well for them. He has made some funky, weird mistakes, but he played well last week. Last night, the Chicago Fire down in Houston to play the Houston Dynamo, a team that has struggled in that zone. They had one win and four draws in their last five games. The Fire, as they've had all season long, numerous opportunities. They had control of the play for most of the game, and but they couldn't score. There was no score. Uh, they played the first 45 minutes of the first half, and there were three minutes of stoppage time. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for the stoppage time. Nico Gaetan lurking in the back. Left foots it in. There's Nemanja Nikolic!
0: Scores! How good does that feel for Nemanja Nikolic and the Fire score a late one here in the first half.
2: Dan Kelly from uh, ESPN Plus with the goal call as Nemanja Nikolic scores for the Chicago Fire. That was a big goal for the Fire. They go into the break with a one nothing lead. Second half... You wonder sometimes how a ball doesn't go into a net. And this doesn't happen very often when the ball hits not one post, but two. There's Calvo, ricochets around, Sapong
0: trying to get a foot to it. Somehow it stays out and it's driven wide by Schweinsteiger. really is mind-boggling. You see that ball chipped to Calvo. Plays it across, off the post, off the second
2: post, and then CJ's there, tries to redirect it. Yeah, CJ Sepong took a shot. It got blocked before it could get to the net, and the Chicago Fire hold on to that one nothing lead. They get the victory, one nothing over the Houston Dynamo. The Fire now 6 wins, 10 losses, 9 draws. The first 7 teams in each conference get into the playoffs. The Fire right now are 10th in the Eastern Conference. They have 27 points. Montreal and New England both have 33 points. So the Fire are six points back, and they have nine games remaining in the regular season. The Fire will take on Montreal Impact, one of the teams I just mentioned, uh, that are just ahead of the Fire, six points ahead of the Fire. They will play them next Saturday at SeatGeek Stadium at 8 o'clock start. Now, I mentioned Kenneth Cronholm, and he has had some goals that he's allowed, but he did have a clean sheet uh, last Saturday, and then last night, some big saves.
0: But notice with an opportunity diving onto that one
2: Kenneth Gronholm
0: protecting his goal Memo Rodriguez On Veronico Rodriguez Kappel hop back to help out Martinez looking for an opening and a second big stop from Gronholm
6: That Tom bumped away from that
0: ball so we'll stay with the Houston dynamo about four minutes to go. Kyoto from distance. Kronholm, The save there on Kyoto. He creeps in for a second look. That's dropped by Bornstein out for
2: a corner. Yeah, the Chicago Fire get the win. Cronholm with four saves. The, the Fire come away with a one nothing win. And as I mentioned, uh, they, are, uh, they still think they have a chance to get into the postseason. All season long, they've had the attacking power, but have been unable to put the ball in the net. They get one goal last night. Nice to see. Nemanja Nikolic with the goal, the fire with the win, and again, next Saturday night, 8 o'clock start, Seat Geek Stadium, get out there, and uh, the Chicago Fire, not with many home games remaining. Uh, the Red Stars were out at Seat Geek Stadium last night, they get a couple of goals, uh, and win final of 2-0 as they beat the Utah Royals, a lot of the... Red Star players that played on the women's World Cup squad—they weren't there because the women are doing. They're doing like a victory tour, and they played Ireland last night, and they won their game, but they were not with the Red Stars. And I I kind of—I understand leading up to the World Cup, but after the World Cup, you should be there for your teams. But that's just something a problem I have. And the English Premier League gets underway a week from. Today, actually, I think next, next Friday. Today, they had the community shield game, Liverpool and Manchester City, and Man City gets the victory as they were tied at one after regulation. Man City winning on penalty kicks five to four. So somewhere Adam Abdallah is saying, Yep, my team won. My squad won. Uh, it all starts next week. Actually, a week from today, Eric, a week from today, it'll be, I'm pretty sure it's Man United and Chelsea. So I'll have my Man New jersey on, and we, you got to get a Chelsea jersey. Yeah, with, my adopted team, the Chelsea. Yes. Yeah, I'm in. With Christian Pulisic and uh, see how things go there. Thanks for uh, listening. Again, Chris Bryant out of the lineup today. He's got a little bit of a knee thing going on. White Sox about to get underway, see what they can do. Ronaldo Lopez, one and one with a nice ERA and four starts since the All-Star break. Uh Thanks to Tony Andracki from NBC Sports Chicago jumping on. Cap and company, all of them. Carmen and Yerka, Waddle and Sylvie, they're all in A tomorrow. Be sure to listen right here on ESPN 1000.